Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. Good morning. Um, lot has been heavy on our hearts this week as we look at the world um, and its brokenness. And so we didn't, we want, as we're gathered here, we want to lift up people on our hearts. And I, we asked Dorota if she would come and share because um, Poland is one of the places receiving many, many people today. So she's going to talk and she's going to lead us in some prayer this morning for the people of Ukraine. Um, so today, as far as you know, we know, um, there are over 200,000 um, refugees, uh, women and children, and elderly who, are, who had crossed the borders uh, from Ukraine to Poland. Um, all the checkpoints, um, all the border crossings are open. There are trains, basically, that, um, that bring all those people. And um, they, they're welcome. They're, they're taken care of. There is a really great mobilization that's going on there. And um, that is wonderful to, to see because, you know, we know that it doesn't happen uh, for others um, who are displaced by those kind of situations. Um, and uh, yes, this, this has probably been in one way or another on our hearts and our minds uh, because we hear, because we see, and because we maybe finally realize how, how awful things could be, how, how awful, how evil um, we could be. And, um, yes, and uh, you know that I'm preparing to uh, go uh, back to Poland uh, and to work with Pro-M Ministries, and that specific ministries of us of today, um, they have um, property, they have camp, they have uh, cabins there that are uh, well uh, prepared to, and uh, bigger facility that are well prepared to host uh, families. And uh, so at this point, they are awaiting uh, 200 uh, women and with children, 200 uh, women and children, and uh, 30 children from one of the orphanages uh, in uh, Ukraine. And um, that is uh, that is a challenge because all of those. Uh, Kids, of course, you know they're not going to go, but it doesn't seem like they're going to. It's going to be short term; it's going to be long term. So this is a beginning. This is at this point, it's a logistical 
issue, to, to get them there, to, to settle them there, to give them just basics because they're just coming with um, um, suitcases <laughs> with maybe a couple, uh, you know, some clothing, and not that uh, at home they had changes of clothing and everything like that. Those are people who live very simply. And so uh, there are a lot of uh, efforts right now that are in a lot of mobilization there. But in long run, you know, um, I speak several languages. And um, every time, and even here, you know, I can speak in English to you, but, you know, there's some, sometimes I just... Uh, you know, there, there's some lack that I feel or, or in, in that communication. And I can only imagine, um, you know, children who are to start uh, the school and we want them to be able to uh, be, um, continue their education to have as normal uh, life as, as it's possible in that situation of displacement. So uh, all of that is a huge challenge, and um, it's. But it's also, you know, I, I think it's our responsibility, and to to witness to this kind of situations and to be present in that situation. So um, I'm ready to go and to. Um, be part of that of of that life for them, um, and if, uh, oh, I think I, I I think I shared everything mm -hmm. that I so, could share at this point. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'd like for us to um, just pray together. God, in this time of war in Ukraine, when our hearts and the hearts of so many in that part of the world are overwhelmed, we come to you, God, God of all creation, to bring peace to our world, peace to Ukraine, and peace to our hearts. Lord of the all nations, only God, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Yehad, God of all people, the horrors of war stand before us in graphic ways, and the horrors of this war are disturbing today daily lives of Ukrainian people. Fear grips for personal safety and the safety of those in arm's way. Sorrow and despair and anger washes over for the absurdity, cruelty of war and the losses, traumas, displacements, deaths that come with it. There is confusion, deep distress, darkness in the face of an uncertain future. You alone, God, who, is the, who in the beginning brought order in chaos, light into darkness, 
you alone can help in these days of war. And so we pray to you, Yahweh of armies, God with us, come and help. Come to the aid of nations and leaders who need your guidance. Come to the aid of those standing in arms' way. Come to the aid of those men who were called to fight to their, for their country, homes, their families. Come to the aid of all who need your assuring and loving presence. Strengthen all in faith, in truth, in the authority of your peace. And calm the fears within, for you know and see that there are many. Help to trust in you for lives and for the future. Father, forgive us for our sins, both individual and those we commit together especially for our failings as peacemakers, as people who are called to be, to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. Forgive us for the divisions among us and renew our hearts, our lives, and increase our commitment to pray fervently for peace. Protect Ukrainian people and protect us from any evil that surrounds us. Protect us all from those who in arrogance, contempt, lies, disinformation, selfish ambitions, greed, power, and pride seek to destroy, bring cares, defile, oppress, and kill. Lift the hearts of the sorrowful today. Bring healing to the sick and to the wounded. Comfort the dying and the bereaved with your love. God, embrace us. Increase assurance. Increase our faith. Give us hope. Give us peace. Lasting peace. May your kingdom come. And as we live in that coming, fill our hearts and our minds with peace, love, and wisdom so that care and compassion, watching and accompanying, be part of our daily lives. We pray that our eyes be open to see the needs of those who struggle, who suffer, who are treated unjustly and with contempt, who are in need, and that we do care and do help in ordinary, in unexpected, and in extraordinary ways. God, Father, as I will pray, this prayer that you taught us in the language of Ukrainian people, please pray in us. Oče naš, šo je sin na nebesah, nehajske tica imja tvoje, 
Хай прийде царство Твоє, нехай буде воля Твоя, як на небі, так і на землі. Хліб нас насушний дай нам, свободня, і прости нам винні наші, як і ми прощемо виноватцям нашим. І не веди нас у спокусу, але визволи нас від лукавого, бо Твоє царство і сила, і слава навіки. Амінь. Амінь. Of the words in history, and yet, yet we feel it here. We feel it even in our decisions we see made, and we get angry. And so, when we see words that Jesus says, and and they can be direct, and they can be harsh, and He is calling out, He's calling out to people that they aren't living up to that. God-like peace that they wanted for themselves and he wanted it for everyone spiritually and physically and so today we're going to read some words of Jesus and he's he's speaking critique he's pointing out the places where their people aren't people aren't living like like they say they believe and we feel the pain of that too don't we so today we're going to read from Luke chapter 11. We're going to read the whole passage. I'm just going to point out some highlights in it, but on our journey of the redeemed, we've had this series, and we are reading every word of the book of Luke. We, there's some passages that we'll come back to after Easter that we've moved over now, but we're reading this whole book together, and we're seeing these different pieces of Jesus's journey, and time is drawing near. Jesus knows. He does not have much time on this earth left and he is he knows the words he needs to say it's it's time to stop pulling punches not that he would have but he's being real direct here and we're getting to these verses today this sorrow and sighing gladness and joy that's the that's a section of our series that we're in and we're feeling we're going to sit in some sorrow for a little bit but today as we consider As we consider how we look into the world and we see what is not right, and there's room to critique, and there is room to have people give us critique. We're not perfect either. So we're going to look at Jesus' example today. We're going to see how can we do this in a godly manner? How can we speak the truth that needs to be spoken? How can we receive truth back to us in a way that brings change, that brings, that calls us to live a life of godliness and peace. So let me get, begin reading verse 14 from Luke 11. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. A house divided against itself will fall. 
If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest, and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. The final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave birth and nursed you. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Even this blessing here at the end, Jesus was trying to bring focus back. Like, look, look, are you obeying? Are you living like you say you believe? Now this Beelzebul, we've also hear it Beelzebub in the different parts of scripture. It's translated Lord of the Flies. Anyone ever had to read that book? <laughs> uh, but it's this, it's this evil, it's this sense of, of what we call Satan, this, this accusing, this the bad that's in the world. We can feel that. And Jesus said, if, if Satan, Beelzebul, if this concept, this person, this entity is doing evil things, I'm healing, I'm doing good things. How would that work? How would evil bring about good? So therefore, their critique is not valid. And they even trusted in some other Jewish exorcist of the day. And he said, well, then what power are they using? You like them. Jesus says, my power is from God. Now this kingdom divided that he was trying to give them a metaphor to really look at like, what does it mean if you're not all together, if you're all, not all united? If you're divided, that, that wouldn't work out. Things wouldn't progress. I just feel like we've got the picture today, right? We have seen on the news the united people of Ukraine standing together. And do you see the strength that they have? Jesus is like, be with me. You say you love God, then stand with me. Don't be against me. Don't scatter. Don't, don't break apart. Don't scatter pain and harm. Bring God's love and peace to the world with me. So Jesus' interaction here is an example of how to receive critique. Jesus was critiqued. So let's look at three steps. Three steps he did, three steps we can do if we receive critique. Step one, listen and decide, is it true? Listening can be hard, especially when the words come from people that we don't like. We live in an age of internet trolls and robots that post things. So I'm not saying listen to every word that's out there if you share something in the world and things come back at you. But you know, right? You might have family that you don't always agree with, but they're in your life as family. You might have colleagues and peers. So even though you think you know what they're getting ready to say to you, stop and listen. And in this moment, what are they saying to you 
right now. And then decide, is it true? Jesus didn't ignore the crowd calling him things that he knew wasn't true. He listened so well that it says he knew their thoughts. He knew their hearts and motivations. Jesus listened, decided that, no, I'm not working with Satan here. That's not true. The critique is not valid. If someone is critiquing you and it has no basis of truth, maybe you don't even need to respond. If there's something there that is true, let's move on to step two. Step two is examine your motives. Jesus' goal was to heal, he said. So therefore, the critique that he was taking part in evil didn't match with his motives to bring peace, to bring good, to bring wholeness. So it wasn't true. But he could look inside and know, no matter what you're saying, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm on course. I know I'm fulfilling God's plan. And so we can do the same thing. If someone critiques you, it's hard. It's hard to hear. Even if you don't like the person, it just sticks in your mind, doesn't it? It's hard to let go of when people have spoken against you. But you have to like examine and think, were my motives correct? Was I, was I following the way God, I felt God was leading me? Then we have to keep moving. We have to know that, that we can move on and move forward if we have the right motives. But be honest as we look inside ourselves. If something that someone says was actually true and we might have, we might have acted with our own self-interest. Maybe we didn't think about everyone when we made that decision. And they're having to live with the effects of what we've decided. Yet we've got to take that into account. We've got to be honest and take the next step. Step three, move on or make amends. When someone critiques us, we've listened, we've decided if it's true or not, we've examined our own hearts, and then if we're good, like Jesus was good, you move forward, you keep going. If there's something there that we made a mistake, that we've, we've got to say it. It's not easy either. It's not easy to say, I'm sorry. And we think, well, that person's not even going to accept my apology anyway. That doesn't matter. We need to say it. And they may need to hear it, whether they act like they're accepting it or not. If we mess up, that brings us growth and humility to apologize. And those words, they can plant seeds that build back trust. Something, a harvest of trust and a rebuilt relationship can be born. Proverbs 14, 9 said, Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright, being willing, being willing to admit where you went wrong. Now, Jesus has his own critique to offer. Let's read part one of that in verse 29. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the son of man be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. We're going to pause there. We're going to dig into this Jewish history. We may have heard of Jonah. The whale, the fish, he's swallowed because he doesn't want to go preach to the people. 
and they repented. They were the enemies of God. They were the opposite of all the things the Jewish people were trying to be. And yet they repented. So Jesus has said, you're God's people. You've known him from the beginning. You should figure this out a little quicker. The queen of the south. In First Kings, she's called the queen of Sheba. It's a non-Jewish kingdom. But she was seeking wisdom. And she came to Israel. She came to seek out God's wisdom from the king of Israel, Solomon. She knew where to go to look for wisdom. And Jesus is looking at the people saying, you know. So let's listen to it. And then he goes on. He doesn't just give critique. Now he's going to give some hope. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. If your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light when a lamp shines its light on you. After the critique, Jesus gave them hope for change. He's saying, I need you to listen to this wisdom. I need you to go back and realize that you too need to repent. But this feels hopeful, right? To give people that perspective that, okay, it's not too late for me. Change is always possible. So here in Jesus's conversation, let's look at three steps for giving critique. Step one, examine your motives. Before you speak, decide why. I mean, we know a lot of people who just want to talk. But Jesus here, he's saying his heart is breaking for his own people. People who were called by God, who were created by God, who have had the relationship throughout all this history that he's saying here. And he's like, you were supposed to be the light to the world. And you started to draw inwardly about your own self. Jesus wanted them to live out the light. That they were supposed to be used by God to spread his love further. Not hold on to it for themselves. Now we can critique a lot of things for our random feelings about it. I have a lot of feelings every time I read the news. Every time I see another decision made by by legal people, when I see governments, when I see, when I see people who are supposed to protect end up harming, it happens in the world, it happens in our cities, it happens in religious organizations that are supposed to protect. But if our goal, if our goal should be when we speak that we're wanting people to be better, that we are Critiquing because, not just to get out stuff, but critiquing because we actually want to see the change. We want to make other people better. And so that's why step two is speak the truth. So if we can examine why we're starting here, then we can speak with the truth. Jesus brought up their biblical history. He was trying to give this common story that they all know and show them an example and I know when I critique, it's also, it's tempting to just kind of go on. Let me just spill everything out that I don't feel like, and your sweater is ugly. Well, that's not, that's not helpful. Like stick, to, stick to the things, to the matter at hand. Stick to the truth. 
Don't just pile on. And step three, what's involved in all of this is to have hope for change. Again, we don't just want to speak to hear ourselves talk, but Jesus was looking for heart change, for life change. He was like, I'm saying these hard words because I want you to do something with them. Because you can be better and because it helps you as well as our society, as well as God's kingdom, if you would live like this. Do you feel that? But he also hoped that they could actually do it. When we pray here for the people of Ukraine, we also pray Dorota's words were to be honest about what's happening. And it's, we have to hope that the evil decisions, that someone will change their heart. We have to hope that, do we have hope that Vladimir Putin will change? I don't know if we'll see it, but we have to hope for it. We have to live like that our actions and that our words, our critique in our life, that we have to hope that what we're doing and what we're saying and what we're critiquing, what we're calling out will actually be possible. We have to still hope that there's good and that people can change to become good. Let's keep reading our last section. We've got some more critique going on here. When Jesus had finished speaking, so he's, he's talked to the crowds. Now he's invited inside to a meal with the Pharisees. And before we read, I want us to recap that the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the time. So they're the ones that are supposed to be setting the standards for the community and demonstrating and teaching people about God. And so Jesus' critique here is going to be because the Pharisees of his day, they were inward focused. They were looking at status and self, and he's calling them back to their purpose. Jesus had finished speaking, and a Pharisee invited him to eat. So he went in, reclined at the table, because Jesus likes eating with people, right? It's a recurring theme. The Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. The Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? And now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogue, the most respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts of the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. You testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of the prophets that have been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. 
who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you experts in the law, you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourself have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. We're reading these words knowing that the cross is coming, and I want us to see the words Jesus was saying ended up ruffling feathers, right? Ended up bothering people, and those were the people who were setting him up. We're going to keep watching. Now, so when Jesus comes into dinner, they, they critique him at first because they're saying he's not washed. Well, there was ceremonial hand washing and rituals, but it also could have been like, you know, they're, they're out, they're walking. And if you're going to go to a meal in someone's house, especially someone who has high status, you would like bathe. So maybe, maybe Jesus smelled. Um, not sure. I mean, you don't, yeah, I don't want to really smell around my food. I get that. I have a sensitive nose. Okay, Jesus, what's going on here? But Jesus comes in and he's not showing politeness. He's actually doing this to get their attention. So quickly, let's go back through. He received critique. Let's go through our steps. Listen and decide. Is it true? Well, yeah, he, he didn't wash. So that's true. Okay. Step two, examine your motive. He did this on purpose in order to bring up a conversation. He was a living metaphor in this moment. So Jesus is confident that, yep, your critique is true, but I'm doing it for a reason. And step three, move on or make amends. So Jesus moved on to his own critique. That was the point. So let's examine Jesus's critique. So a few of his will point out like the cup being clean on the outside, but the in. So Jesus is trying to say like, you're doing all the things for show and it looks good on the outside, but inside, your motives are not true. Now, we've all, we've all been told to put on, like, okay, just get it together. Just, just get through it. Looks good on the outside, but on the inside, we're breaking. So Jesus is saying, what's broken on the inside needs to, you need to say it. If it's selfish on the inside, it doesn't matter how beautiful you look on the outside. Because he said they tithed. He's like, you're doing the right thing. You're tithing, that's good. But then you're forgetting about living out justice to other people. It's not either or, it's both and. You're doing part of it, the part of it that everyone sees, but do do the good for others as their leaders. And the last thing I wanted to point out was the unmarked graves sentence, because I found that very interesting. The Jewish people, if they were to touch a dead body or be near something dead, they would be ceremonially unclean. So if you buried someone and had no marker over it and someone walked over that land, they were considered unclean and didn't even know it. And Jesus is like, the Pharisees here, when they've put on all this exterior, they look harmless. They look helpful. But he's saying, you're being very harmful. You're leading people and you're not living it. And that's harming worse than if you just were honest about it. So let's re-examine our steps for Jesus offering critique. Did he do the three things? Number one, examine your motives. 
Jesus was holding his fellow religious leaders accountable. He's like, you are supposed to represent God, and you're not. Number two, speak the truth. Jesus was very direct. He's been at other dinners. He's had other conversations. And it may seem super harsh right here, but like he's been working on this. And like you didn't listen, you didn't listen, and you're still not listening. So we get real strong words here. His critique was direct. Now, here's a bonus step for us. Notice that he spoke to them directly, and I think that's something we need to learn from. I don't get in a ton of arguments online. That's not how I work. Um, and no, I just would want to talk to somebody because I want to remember that they are a person made in the image of God as we disagree. I think that's powerful. And I feel like they're going to listen to me more if I'm having an actual conversation with them. And I know everyone's approach is different, but I really encourage you, as you critique, go to a person. Go to them directly. And another bonus was that, let's look at people's motivation. Let's ask. Jesus was already God. He knew what was on the Pharisees' hearts. He could already know their choices and what they were doing. We're not mind readers, so we might need to ask and listen and try to listen just like we want to be listened to. And then step three, hope for change. Jesus said these words and then he left. So how do we know he like cared if they changed or not? When a few more chapters, he's going to go to dinner with them again. He's going to give them another chance. I see that hope there. He's going to expect to see some difference the next time he sees them. So every week we ask, we look at this, we look at this ancient book and we say, what, what does it mean to us? And I feel like we've seen some steps and that just summarize it as let's emulate Jesus as we handle critique, whether we're giving it or receiving it. There are things in the world that we're examining and it might be close to home and it might be globally and we've got feelings about it, but I want us to just set our minds on hope for change as we give critique and where we listen, where we can receive from others and ask God how we can grow if other people's words are true. And I want us to prayerfully speak truth to others because the motivation in our heart is what's going to come out in godliness. Jesus was headed to Jerusalem, meant city of peace. But the people there were not always living in peace. And that's what he went to go do. Physical and spiritual peace. That's what he wanted. In our world, there's brokenness and war instead of peace. We have the opportunity to live with our words and our actions to bring about the spiritual and physical peace that God has set for us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for his example. Help us live like him this week. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.